Thanks for tuning in to episode two of Fantasy Football Now. We're going to look back to episode one, where we covered 10 different strategies on your draft day and how to approach different positions. Today, we're going to take a look at those specific positions, and we're going to take a more in-depth look at some specific players at those positions, why they may be overvalued or undervalued, and why we think so, mostly based on Coach O's personal knowledge. So, without further ado, I'm your host, Crispy Audio, joined by Garrido X and Coach O. How you guys doing today? Pause, pause, hold it right there, guys. This is Crispy Audio from the future. This ended up being a very long episode, so this is going to end up being part one of episode two, and coming soon will be part two of episode two. Okay? Great. Thanks. See you at the end of the episode. I uh, can't complain. Uh, hey, look, we're putting in the work. Here I am, 12.07 in the morning, recording podcasts. Not for myself and my own well-being, because my goodness, I should be asleep or playing Madden. But instead, I'm here with y'all, and I'm happy to be here. Coach O, welcome to another show. We're on episode two. <laughs> Let's you know, are you excited or what? We're about to get nerdy in here, right? Look, it's about to get a little bit nerdy. It's draft season. This is when we work overtime. This is when we set the foundation for championships. Hey, we're setting the foundation for champions, champions and championships. Uh, and, you know, we're doing all the work. So all you have to do is kick us on on your drive to work or as you're going for a stroll in the morning, getting a jog in getting some vitamin D in the sun, some vitamin D at home, if you know what I mean. Oh, do I. <laughs> Kick back, relax, and climb aboard as we go into some very, very important information that, once again, you need to know before your draft. I uh, strongly encourage you, if you haven't, please go check out episode one. And I did want to also say that like the first one, this episode is sponsored by LifeAid. You can use code VSGX25 in the LifeAid store and get 25% off any FitAid Energy products. Thank you, LifeAid. is a fantastic company. Not biased here. And uh, let's just get on with this. All right. So we talked about some different strategies uh, last week in, in last episode's uh, podcast. Last podcast. And we're going to really dive in to the positions from QB to RB, receiver, and tight end. We're going to give you specific names. We're going to give you specific reasons of why, according to the ADP of these players and the draft board, of how these players may be undervalued. Maybe, maybe you should be looking at them later in the draft. And then also maybe ones that are slightly overvalued as well. We're going to identify those with Coach O's help. We're going to tell you why. And y'all are going to be prepared for a good big chunk of your draft coming up. Hang on, bear with us, and let's get ready for a great show here. Let's kick it off, Coach O. Let's go straight to you. We're going to dive right into this. Uh, let's start with our QBs. It's a very important thing. If you want also, can we just touch base one more time too, if you, if you, if you, if you may? Where exactly are we looking in the draft first off? What round? Kind of just give us a refresher on that and then go ahead and give us the sauce. What we got. For sure. So 
you know, like like we kind of covered in that first episode there, where we talked just guiding principles of your draft. We're not looking to take a quarterback in the first or second round, uh, unless you have a league with multiple quarterbacks, super flex leagues. Uh, that is different. We're talking standard leagues, standard scoring here. We are not taking a quarterback in the first two rounds. We are only taking an absolutely elite quarterback as early as maybe round three or four, uh, depending on your league size. Uh, and we are generally going to be waiting on quarterbacks and taking values later in the draft. And we'll be talking about those specific guys that we're going to be targeting in a couple of minutes here. Okay, perfect. Um, so I guess we'll go ahead and start now uh, with the undervalued portion of our QB board. Uh, over, you want to start over. I got a, I got a over, I got Coach O mouthing at me over. So you know what? I do what the coach says. I am a student of the game. I wish I could see what that mouth did. Yeah, well, <laughs> only one of us can be so lucky, uh, Crispy. We're going to start with the <laughs> overvalued QBs of the draft. Let's get serious. We're going to give us, uh, I got I got some notes here. You're going to give us three QBs uh, in this draft right now, in the next couple of days, weeks, whenever you're drafting, that we have identified, again, with Coach, Coach O's help, as overvalued the first player we have on this list is josh allen go ahead and um explore into that for sure so this pains me first of all as a person from buffalo who is a massive bills fan uh to include josh allen on the overvalued list yeah uh, hey kudos but hey fantasy is not about pride in your own team it's not yeah this is about identifying players that, like we said, just to reemphasize, if Josh Allen's available at the 40th pick in your draft, please take Josh Allen. This is about identifying where he's being drafted and trying to find out if that is early, just right, or late. And in this case, it's too early. Right now, his average draft position is hovering around 20 in most leagues, depending on, uh, you know, if you're playing on ESPN, Yahoo, and so forth. The 20th pick is as we said in the first episode, that's your first couple rounds there. That's about the second round, and that is too early. Fantasy Football Calculator has Josh Allen on mine at 18. 18. Too early. Okay, we're talking about the range here where we can still be taking stud running backs, like Saquon Barkley. We can be taking stud receivers, C.D. Lamb. Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs, at that same range. Now, Josh Allen has been the number one fantasy QB in the league in each of the last two years. So why do we have him as overvalued right now? I have him on my board at around 33, about the 33rd most valuable player. So he should be going a full round later than he is right now. Uh, the reason for that is, is a couple of things here. First reason, Bill's coach, Sean McDermott, is on record saying he really wants Josh Allen to run less this year. If we look at Josh Allen's numbers from last year, he ran for 763 yards. That is a high number. Prior to that, in each of the last two seasons, he was 250 or more yards behind that in each of those two seasons. I believe that his rushing production 
is going to take a significant step back from where it was last year. If we take last year's numbers where he finished as the number one quarterback in the whole NFL in fantasy, and we take half of that rushing production away, he would have finished not as the number one quarterback, but as the number five quarterback in fantasy. So the rushing production has a rather significant uh, impact on his overall value and taking words directly out of his head coach's mouth puts two together he'll, he'll lose some of that rushing uh, some of those rushing attempts and maybe yards possibly touchdowns and again you're still talking even half of that which is still for you know you said 700 yards you know still 350 yards is still quite a bit of yards for a quarterback but talking about vorp and all those things in to play yeah that's, that's a dramatic drop off you know uh it completely completely contradicts where he is on the on the draft board so yeah i i can see that it's very concerning for sure he's you know he's on a super bowl contending team that is going to prioritize his health and most likely you know based on sean mcdermott's words and just you know common sense they're not going to want to risk josh allen's health more than they have to he's probably going to run less it's probably going to push him down production wise a good bit and if he ends up as a top five quarterback that's great but we're not drafting him at number 20 overall for him to be a top five quarterback yep and i think uh also i've seen this before in the past where uh patrick mahomes um you know in company they'll they'll find their way climbing up the draft board in adp rankings just because they just had such a spectacular year the year prior no shock here y'all i've drafted patrick mahomes in the draft before and i promise you i think i ended up trading him later that year um you know this if any position in my opinion quarterback is the one that's going to get you the most because these guys will come up and they'll be all flashy they'll have a spectacular year and then they're going to get you where it hurts early on not saying that josh allen even you know you know with everything considered he's probably still going to be a great fantasy option but look we're always paying attention to is what are the value you have there he can pull a Stephon Diggs and Aaron Jones. I have him two picks earlier than that. Um, Joe Mixon, CeeDee Lamb, Saquon. There's a lot of great names around there. So it's not really so much about Josh Allen not producing like he did. It's more so take everything into consideration, including outside factors, and weigh your options with the other options you have close by on that pick. And I, I definitely see where you're coming from on the Josh Allen front. Um, I'm, again, I'm just kind of talking as I process it myself. That's good. Any more add on that? No, it's funny you bring up Patrick Mahomes. Oh, it's did I segue it in? Perfect segue. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's almost like I had notes, but I promise you I'm actually only looking at the ADP uh, rankings here. So uh, I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad I could do that for you. Bring us in. All right. The arguably best quarterback in the league who may be dethroned already or will. Patrick Mahomes has been an absolute superhero. Explain to me why... Uh, do we have Patrick Mahomes overvalued coming into this year's draft? For, for sure, for sure. So once again, Patrick Mahomes, if he drops to you at pick 55 or 60, go ahead and pull the trigger. But where he's being drafted right now is about 32 uh, in most leagues. That's just his average draft position. So once again, this is an example of a QB being drafted a full round or two too early. The reason we have Patrick Mahomes further down the board, closer to the 50s, 
uh, overall, instead of where he's being drafted around 32nd overall in your draft, uh, is a few things. One, we're going to look at last year's performance. He was good. Patrick Mahomes was good. But he had his career low, according to Pro Football Focus, in uh, overall rating. Took a little bit of a step back from his superhero ways that he's shown us the past, you know, two, three years. Also had the most picks he's ever thrown in a season last year. Uh, and then we're going to couple those things with the loss of his go-to guy out wide with Tyreek Hill. So we're looking at some red flags here that do not suggest an improvement to his numbers last year, but rather that he's kind of taken a little bit of a step back from being a super elite fantasy option to maybe just a good one. And now we're losing his best receiving option. That is not going to help. So him being drafted at 32 is not appropriate. And we want to push him down into the 50s before we really consider taking him as our fantasy quarterback. Yes, and I want to add, uh, I did hear a story about McCole Hardman uh, being significantly injured at practice. I did just see that he did leave on a cart at practice, and I'm talking about this because this, you know, it's another one of his weapons. You always want to take these things into consideration. It looks like McCole Hardman is back to practice. So uh, it originally was a scare. Somehow it was like headlined everywhere, but it looks like McCole Hardman's going to be okay. Uh, so he does get one of his receivers back uh, over there. So... Um, I'm good on that. Um, you know, really goes hand in hand with Mahomes. But as you can see, there's a lot of external factors for everyone's situation. And sometimes it could be a head coach and their game plan. Sometimes it could be the, the tools around you, like Tyreek Hill going off to Miami to take over the AFC East, potentially. <laughs> Completely unbiased take there. Yeah. All right. Um, we're going to go to our uh, our third player on this list here. Um, I'm going to pull up my notes again here. So it looks like... Dak Prescott. Uh, and, thank you, Crispy. Um, Dak Prescott. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't really looked at many or much of the board until tonight, as you know, uh, when you got here. I've just been so busy lately. Um but, you know, I, I'm shocked to know that Dak is as high as he is. I really am. And that's just from a naked eye. And it could be that I'm not very fond of the Cowboys again. As I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah, some, you know, that's, that's how I am. But still, even with thing, all things considered, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of shocked that he's there. Could you kind of maybe let me know how he's there? Like, is it is it solely off of last year's production? Or what exactly are they seeing to get his his stock so high you know what's funny about Dak Prescott is last year he was QB 9 the ninth best QB mm. this year he's being drafted ahead of that so people are actually drafting him as the seventh or eighth quarterback off the board they're drafting him on average at about pick 72 this is right during that prime time spot to take some really good wide receivers. If you listen to our first podcast, that's that wide receiver green zone. Yes. Get some great values in that range in the 70s at wide receiver. And people are reaching and taking Dak Prescott. Uh, this is a guy who just lost his top weapon, Amari Cooper. 
he is looking at not having Michael Gallup, perhaps, for the start of the season. They brought in James Washington to help it wide out. He's out for a huge chunk of the season. They, they lost, lost Cedric Wilson. Wilson. Cedric well, Wilson. I mean, his, his receiving core has been depleted pretty drastically. Just on that alone, we're not expecting a step forward in production. If anything, we're going to see a, a more than likely regression. Now, on top of that, a lot of Dak Prescott's value, uh, you know, back when we're talking like 2017, 2018, when he was at his peak value, he was running for like 300, 350 yards and like six touchdowns. So that was really lifting his value a lot in, in those times. Post-injury, after that gruesome injury, if y'all recall, against the Giants a couple years back when he broke his, his ankle, he has not run the ball. Last year, he had 146 rushing yards and one touchdown. That is less than half of the rushing yards that he used to put up. It's a sixth of the touchdowns that he used to run for, and that's depressing his value. So current day and age Dak Prescott being drafted this high is also not appropriate. With the loss of all those weapons at receiver, with the decreased rushing output, we need to adjust where we're drafting Dak Prescott closer to maybe the 90 to 100 range and not in the low 70s. Okay. Uh, just off the, the tool that I've just used in previous, you know, I, I usually go to this one when I look up ADP boards. I do have him at 84, which is still a little bit higher than I think we're comfortable having him even then. I'm just going to throw a couple names at you real quick off the head, quick little blitz, one or the other. Dak Prescott, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Which one would you go? Not super high on Clyde edwards Lair. I will still take Clyde edwards Lair. Okay. Uh, what about Dak Prescott and uh, Ramondre Stevenson in New England? I'll take Ramondre Stevenson. Okay. And uh, I'll give one last one about Dak Prescott and uh, Rashad Bateman, Baltimore. 100% Rashad Bateman. All right. So that... that kind of puts in perspective we worked our way down to 100 right so um and that wasn't planned i nick did not or coach O, sorry did not see my board at all um you know you can get some high quality players uh prior to picking up dak at that spot and that easily puts him past 100 and i could probably fit in a couple more there but then i saw ronald jones and i stopped there <laughs> That's a good place to stop. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's just for what it's worth uh, my take in case I want to hear. If you have Dak Prescott available or Ronald Jones, I'd go Dak Prescott on that one. If you had to pick a QB. All right. Uh, I think that concludes it for the overvalued quarterbacks. Um, it looks like we are going to go ahead and transition on over um, to underval undervalued quarterbacks. And let's go ahead and announce our undervalued quarterback. Chris, you want to give us the first name on this one and then go ahead and work through the other two as uh, Coach O progresses? Sure. Uh, looks like first on our list is a young guy out in San Francisco by the name of Trey Lance. And that guy's a stud. He is. I, I personally like Trey Lance, but he's just so raw. He's right very now. raw. I've seen... I've seen some videos of him throwing. The, the throwing motion there looks a little interesting. We'll see how, how it kind of plays out through the season. Um, 
but from what I'm seeing, Trey Lance is listed at ADP right around number 100. You know, he could go as high as maybe 94. Uh, some people taking him way in the 110s, 120s. Uh, but undervalued, definitely. Yep, and I have, um, I have uh, Trey Lance at 99. So uh, I'm not sure where that's at in your board, Nick. Uh, Cocho, bleep that out, I guess. Whatever. Who the hell cares? <laughs> where do you have Trey Lance? Tell me, uh, why is he falling down so far? And uh, where exactly do you have him? Yeah, so every year, the best values at quarterback, a lot of the best values at quarterback, come from running quarterbacks that have not yet produced at the NFL level. We saw it with Lamar Jackson when he burst onto the scene. We saw it most recently with Jalen Hurts last year, really bursting onto the scene. And a great way to nab a breakout quarterback late in your draft is to look for a QB that's going to run the football a lot because it adds so much value to their point production. Consider this. Last year, Jalen Hurts ran for almost 800 yards, and he ran for 10 touchdowns. In a standard league, that accounts for 140 points just from running the football. That is the equivalent of 3,500 passing yards. That's the equivalent in a standard scoring league of 35 extra touchdown passes. That's insane. Yeah. If, if you take Jalen Hurts and his rushing production, and you just take those points and add it to his passing stats, it would be as though he threw for almost 6,700 passing yards or 51 passing touchdowns. It's nuts. Yeah, that's insane. So when you say that Trey Lance is undervalued, you know, I'm assuming that that means that you could possibly, if you were remaking your board, you could slide him up. Not that I'm saying that you should potentially reach for Trey Lance, but it means kind of two things in my head. If you have Trey Lance at 99, it's a home run hitter. Go get Trey Lance, right? And at the same time, if you are needing a quarterback, that maybe you could um, potentially draft Trey Lance a little bit earlier and still feel good about it. What exactly would be your threshold for someone like Trey Lance in comparison to like going a different position or et cetera? Yeah, Trey Lance, to me, it would be appropriate as early as maybe 70 uh, pick number 70 to go ahead and snag him. You can probably get him a little bit later. Like we've said, he's going closer to about 100 in most drafts. So we're talking about a guy going maybe 30 picks behind his actual value that we're anticipating. Just a couple quick stats on Trey Lance. Last year during his starts, which weren't many, we're working off a small sample size here, but we know that he's an athlete, he's going to run the football. It would have been about a 900 rushing yard pace for a full season, uh, which is insane for a quarterback. Yes. That's even more rushing yards than we just talked about with Jalen Hurts. And we just talked about how much value that added. And Josh Allen. And Josh Allen. Uh, he was the, uh, we have a stat called expected fantasy points per game, basically you know, with the opportunities that he had, with the amount of running and passing success that he had, 
the expected amount of points that he would score. It was the fifth most expected fantasy points out of any quarterback. Number five. And he's being drafted right now as like the 13th or 14th quarterback off the board. Yeah. Okay. So now, yeah, no, I, I hate to interrupt, but this guy compared to maybe somebody still on the board, like a Russell Wilson, you know, would you take Trey Lance over Russell Wilson, even though he's kind of an unproven talent? It's a great question. Yeah, it is. I, I would have them ranked pretty close to the same range. I would take probably Trey Lance. I mean, they're, they're comparable, but I think I would take Trey Lance straight up against Russell Wilson just because at this stage in Russell Wilson's career, he's not really giving you rushing upside anymore. True. So I, I, I think that Trey Lance is a better bet to give you a home run quarterback versus Russell Wilson, who's probably a good bet to just give you a safe return on your investment and be like the 10th best quarterback or the eighth best quarterback lance has legitimate top five upside he could he could win you your league if he puts it together in kyle shanahan's offense and if i may uh, add my opinion as well i would also take trey lance over russell russell wilson uh and i think of everything right you think of russell wilson is in denver now he's on a new offense he has new weapons around him a change of scenery it could mean a good thing it could also mean bad and, you know, most importantly, I think that right now with Trey Lance going into year two, kind of like I feel about Justin Fields coming into year two, I kind of put them in the same boat. Uh, obviously, Trey Lance didn't have much of a chance last year with Jimmy Garoppolo taking most of the year. Um, but let's just look at the ceiling of these two players and compare them to each other. Uh, Russell Wilson, you know what you get with him, but at the same time, look, the proof is in the athlete, and Trey Lance, to me, just provides a higher ceiling. Um, and that alone would be the reason why I'd probably go also Trey Lance as well. However, it is very close. Um, Russell Wilson and Matt Stafford are kind of in the same boat for me. I kind of treat them very similar to each other. Another great segue there, Garrido. Did I really? (laughs) Justin Fields. I I promise y'all that I may be made for this because I I swear I don't even look. Coach O, tell them. Do I have anything like written here? He does not. No notes. That was just, you know, that. Oh, I mean, we did talk about it briefly, but I wasn't even thinking of that. Uh, But yeah, I have I have Matt Stafford there. And I'm assuming that that's someone else that you have on your list. Uh, What you got? Yeah. So here's another guy. Just for the same reasons, we're high on Trey Lance. We're high on Justin Fields. It's that rushing upside. Here's a guy who right now uh, is being taken, you know, deep into the 100s. We're talking like 120 to 130 type range uh, in your draft. And this is easily a top 100 player. He is giving you the upside to run for, once again, close to, you know, that 750 to 1,000 yard type range, the Bears don't have a lot going on on offense. They're going to lean on Justin Fields' rushing ability. He ran 4-4-4 at the combine. Yeah, crazy athlete. Crazy athlete. And just a couple quick numbers on him. I mean, he's being drafted as like QB 18 right now. He actually, this is an interesting number that I came across. For quarterbacks that have averaged more than 35 rushing yards per game during their rookie season, the last three to do so, Cam Newton, Josh Allen, and Robert Griffin III, all three of them 
finished as top 12 fantasy quarterbacks in their second season. Two of them finished in the top six. This guy's being drafted as QB 18. Not appropriate. We need to be elevating Fields above a lot of the guys that are in front of him. I have Justin Fields at 195. 195. Wow. 195. I see him at 127. So there's a, quite a disparity there. And, yeah. and you will see disparities yeah. in, in ADP just based on which site you're drafting on. Yeah, but I just didn't expect any, it to be that, that large of a gap. Oh, yeah. I kept scrolling and scrolling. I was like, no way. And then there he was, 19, well, 195. And, you know, don't, you know, obviously, you know, we're using some tools that we're not obviously creating these draft boards ourselves, but it just goes to show you, you know, if one of these tools that you can use online is showing Justin Fields at 195, that should probably open up your eyes and be like, hey, I got to take a look at this guy because he's probably going to be there. And I think, again, once, once again, the upside for Justin Fields is, is pretty high. The ceiling's high. Um, definitely like that one as an undervalued pick for sure. So I'm going to throw out another comparison here. This is a guy that we haven't seen play in a couple of years now because of some off the field issues. Uh, we won't delve into those, but a guy like Deshaun Watson, you know, he, I have his ADP down at 170. So if they're both on the board, hypothetically, Deshaun is not suspended, right? Cause we obviously, we don't want to. We don't want to draft somebody that's going to be suspended for over half the year. Well, well, no, I mean, you bring up a good point. I think you have to take in consideration that he is suspended. So, um, you know, since we're talking, re I mean, if we're talking re actual real life in this draft coming up right now, um, you know, and I'll flip this over to you, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson won't play until week 11. I mean, I don't think he's even draftable at that point until way later. I mean, you're talking yeah, playoff he, time. He'd be like a waiver you know, wire kind of guy. I think he, I think he'd be like off the he, list. He's one of those free agents you, yeah, you pick up his first we game don't even back need to spend just time to see if maybe he yeah. something. Coach O says no time to Deshaun Watson with absolute, uh, no relation to his off field issues. However, um, you know, uh, I did happen to see some lotion uh <laughs> he looked over at coach o and you started immediately falling back in his seat all right maybe uh, we'll go let's, let's get to the next undervalued quarterback <laughs> let's go to the next one all right uh oh, dude. <laughs> all right moving into uh our third listed and final undervalued quarterback we're looking at uh, some a guy that really didn't have a great year last year i know i being a miami dolphins fan we saw quite a lot of people on twitter kind of saying why is this guy not not getting as much crap on him as somebody like tua did where tua didn't do very hot his first two years and neither did trevor we're talking about trevor lawrence here right he's he's out in jacksonville he got set up with a pretty bad coach but I'm seeing his ADP right around the 140 range. That's right. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence being drafted around 140 or so. Uh, he is probably poised for a big step forward in year two. We'll talk about a couple of reasons why here. So obviously, if you watched any Jags games last year, you weren't impressed with Trevor Lawrence. You should probably bleach your eyes. Yeah, <laughs> it was really bad. But Unless it was that last game. 
That last game didn't yeah. knock the Colts out of, the playoff, <laughs> had, out of playoff contention. That was interesting. He was, sa- he was saving it all for the final week of the season. <laughs> but let's talk about some reasons to expect a step forward here. So, one, like you had alluded to there, Crispy, we got Urban Meyer out of town. And in comes Doug Peterson, who in four of his last five seasons as the head coach in Philly. His teams were ranked in the top uh, 10 in pass attempts. And this guy made Carson Wentz look good. He really did. Nick Foles Foles. was the Super Bowl MVP. (laughs) Doug Peterson is phenomenal for quarterbacks' values. He, He works extremely well with them. He's got a great system in place to enhance a quarterback's value, they're going to pass a lot. They're going to be behind in games because they're just not very good. So he's going to be throwing the ball a lot more this year than they did last year. That's the first thing that we want to look at, is he's going to have just an increase in overall volume. The second thing that we want to look at here is expected points. We touched on that just briefly with Trey Lance, the expected fantasy points per game based on opportunity and that kind of thing. Last year, Trevor Lawrence had 72 points or uh, total points under the expected points that he would have scored for the year, meaning that out of all quarterbacks in the league, he had the highest disparity in points versus the points that he would be normally expected to score under the same circumstances. If he takes a step forward in Urban Meyer's offense, or I'm sorry, in Doug Peterson's offense from where he was with Urban Meyer, which just based on quality of coaching, the the normal year two jump that we've seen from guys like Joe Burrow. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is as highly regarded as a prospect at quarterback as we've seen in a long time. He's extremely talented. He's athletic. He ran for over 300 yards last year. So he's going to give you some rushing like we talked about. That's important. He's a guy I would take closer to like 115, 120 instead of, you know, 145, 150. He's a few rounds undervalued right now. Now, really, Lawrence is kind of far enough down on the board where you're drafting him if you waited a long time at quarterback. We're not sitting here saying, go ahead and and go into the season in a 10-team league with Trevor Lawrence as your quarterback. That's not the recommendation. This is for two QB leagues, or if there was just an absolute run on quarterbacks and you got left out because everybody's taking him super early, Lawrence is a good option and a good bet to take a big step forward in year two. So I'll give you another comparison here. Would you mm-hmm. take Trevor Lawrence or Jameis Winston? Taking Trevor Lawrence. He's going to give you a lot more rushing upside. Jameis Winston's not going to give you hardly any rushing production. That's important. Uh got to factor that into consideration. Winston, you know, frankly, is probably pretty close to Trevor Lawrence in value. It's not a huge discrepancy there, but I'll take Lawrence with his upside more than I'll take Winston. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence or Tua? Oh. That's another good one. That's pretty close. I'll still take Lawrence just because we haven't seen Tua provide much rushing upside. Uh, I personally uh, will go on record to say I'm not aboard the Trevor Lawrence wagon. Uh, I've been looking up everything on my on my uh, stuff here just to... And while 
I understand everything that Coach O has put out. I want to make it known that it's okay to value players differently in this type of situation. Um, 100%. Yeah. So everything that Coach O puts out there is definitely information to absorb. It's something to consider. Um, but at the end of the day, whenever you're making your picks, you, you're going to make a decision on some of these guys. And I know one thing that he's told me before is on, on situations like these, let's say you have uh, Jameis Winston and, and Trevor Lawrence or Tua and Trevor Lawrence, and it's close. Go with your gut. Whatever that answer is, your gut should always be the one that you end up falling with. Um. Uh, yeah, and, and as far as the way that I feel with Trevor Lawrence is, yes, he has a new head coach. Sure, it's Doug Peterson. Um, and yeah, you can make the same argument about Tua Tungavailoa being coached by Brian Flores, being told he's going to be replaced by Deshaun Watson, and all the other issues that he has, and then now being surrounded with an absolute, completely different tier of receivers. Bombshell easily... of a roster. Yeah, and again, <laughs> that's a little, little bit of a bias. We got take. Dolphins fans in here. Yeah. Yes. No, I mean, I mean that's that's an unbiased take on on Tua's situation is everything I said is true. Uh, he's had all the distractions in the world. Um, and so while, yeah, we don't know, and Tua hasn't been, I think what you said was, hasn't produced yet. Well, neither has Trevor Lawrence. So yeah, while the environment has changed around Trevor Lawrence, sure, there's a potential for upside there for him to get better. Can't get any worse. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I think it's just interesting on, on those two, um, Again, we'll we'll see what happens with Trevor Lawrence. I don't know. A little fun fact about Doug Peterson. Do you know that he was replaced by uh, um, um, Donovan McNabb? That was the end of his NFL career. Uh, he played on the Eagles. So, in case y'all didn't know that about Doug Peterson, some useless information for to uh, take up your brain there. Uh, I think we're good on that. Trevor Lawrence looks like the guy from Shrek, the Prince. The Prince guy? <laughs> Lord Farquaad. <laughs> Lord I don't think it's Lord Farquaad. <laughs> Lord it's Farquaad's not, you know, it's the, no, the, the other good guy, the good guy. No, the knight in shining armor guy. Yeah, the knight in shining armor. Not the Lord armor. Farquaad guy. Sorry, Trevor Lawrence. If you hear this, Trevor, I, look, you can throw better than I can. So at least you got that going for you. All right, uh, going on to, uh, oh, is, is that the third one? That was the that uh, last quarterback, one, yeah. right? That moves right. us on out of quarterbacks and into running backs. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, good. I think to, to wrap up, uh, one more time on the quarterback situation. We have um, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Trevor Lawrence, all as Coach O's undervalued uh, quarterbacks going into this year's draft. Um, take a look at those players if you see them in your draft. Keep in mind uh, those uh, things that Coach O has said. Um, and then also for the overvalued, be careful and tread lightly whenever you're picking up Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Dak Prescott as it has been seen that through ADP uh, boards across all these different websites that these typically, these three players are a little bit expensive. Uh, so just be careful when approaching your draft and, and come at it very smart. Thank you, Coach O, for the first segment of this. Um, you just got yourself six <clears throat> QBs going into this year's draft to look out for. Um, both that can help you and some that can help. Well, really, they both can help you in each way by avoiding and by getting. So... All right, we good with that? Good with that. Let's Moving move on to running backs. So we're going to move on to the next uh, position. We're going to the running backs. Uh, I really do love uh, the running back part of this, of the draft in general. 
The reason why I find running backs so enticing is because, you know, wide receivers, there are just so many um, running backs and kind of like the half, like tight ends are not there. I feel like there's not enough good ones. And then receivers, there's too many good ones, in my opinion. In quarterbacks, I mean, there's a lot of great ones and then a big drop off, right? Running backs, you got like 15 of them. Great options, some with some fluff, some that maybe are a little bit of a sleeper. So I'm really intrigued to see what you got. Let's start with the overvalued running backs coming to this year's draft. Let's start with number one. Who do we got? All right, we've got David Montgomery overvalued coming into this year. So I don't know what y'all have on his ADP. Uh, I'm seeing usually somewhere in the mid-30s. Yep, I've got him at 35. Okay. Uh, this is right in that spot we were talking about, if you listen to the last episode, that running back dead zone. You get past, like Garrido just mentioned, those, those first 15 backs or so, and you see a steep drop-off in quality. And David Montgomery is right in that range in that running back dead zone that you want to avoid. This is a guy that I would take closer to probably 55 uh, in the draft, and he's being taken at 35. So we're talking about a difference of like two entire rounds here. Uh, he is a guy who last year finished outside of the top 24 running backs in over half of his games, and yet he's being drafted as a top 20 running back. It makes no sense. You can count me out on that. He's got a new coaching staff coming in that may not give him the kind of volume that he got with the last regime. And that's what all his production was tied to, frankly, was just huge volume. And we've seen Khalil Herbert, his backup, come in and quite frankly, outperform him, according to Pro Football Focus. Looks great. And there's really no reason to believe that Khalil Herbert's not going to eat into some of that volume that we saw Montgomery getting last year. And even with all that volume last year, keep in mind, he was outside of the top 24 backs more than half the time. And yet he's still being drafted in the top 20. Okay. Um, I don't have many qualms with that one. I'll give you a couple. I'll give you a couple uh, names really quick. Uh, let's go David Montgomery or Antonio Gibson. I'll still take Montgomery. We'll talk about Antonio Gibson in a second. Okay. Uh, <laughs> David Montgomery and uh, James Conner. James Conner. All right. David Montgomery and Brees Hall. Brees Hall. David Montgomery and Kareem Hunt. Still take Montgomery with that one. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that puts you in a pretty good range there and right about where you said uh, in that 50 range or so. Um, I think that's a good spot for him as well. Uh, I see one here, you know, AJ Dillon and Damian Harris. It gets a little foggy for me personally when it comes to Damian Harris. I'm a little concerned for him um, just because Ramondre, Ramondre, I just get that right, is breathing down his neck. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's good. Uh, David Montgomery, I'm with you on that one. I agree. Uh, I would push him down about the same spot as well. Um, that's definitely a good one. So cool. Uh, let's go on to. Our next overvalued running back, and I, I guess we segued that in just some, I'm telling you, I need to go play the lottery. Uh, anyways, Antonio Gibson, right? So I just want to add real quick, 
that guy, he, he, you know, I don't know if this really plays a factor into the year or whatnot, but I saw him the other day in training camp and he like, um, he just is overall, like you can see if they're in shape or not. And he just doesn't look like he's in like football shape at all. And it's concerning when I see that because I'm like, man, you're the starting running back of the Washington commanders. Ooh, have a little name. decency and come in and shape at least, you know, being the guy. In my opinion, sometimes, I'm going to be real with y'all, and this may, need, may be something I need to grow out of in my fantasy knowledge, but I have a lot of eye tests. And when you come in out of shape, and I and the first thing I see in training camp is you about 20 to 20 pounds overweight, and you're just not ready to come play, it's scary to me. Yeah, he, he's out just there saying, doing a, his it, best big bad wolf impression, huffing and puffing his way down the field. <laughs> exactly. And, and I'll be honest with you, is, you know, uh, and, I, and, I, and, I, and Coach, maybe you can enlighten me. This should be a factor, right? The work ethic, and it just brings me to this. The work ethic, coming in shape. Um, did you take care of your body in the offseason? Are you primed to have a big year? Are you coming in ready to go? Um, you know, there's lots of players I could turn to in this, you know, with the whole story about Najee coming in and being overweight also in, in, in Pittsburgh. Do, do those do things like that actually impact uh, like draft value this early on, or do you like uh, you you know what you get with Dashi? Maybe he's a little bit of a you know he's a little bit different than this situation with Antonio Gibson, but um, you know just seeing players' work ethic or their overall kind of how they handle themselves to take care of their bodies does it actually play a, an effect with draft um, position? For for me, there are a couple of red flags that are bigger red flags to me with Antonio Gibson than, than that, uh, just personally. Uh, one for me is just the the bodies in the running back room in Washington. We're talking about a situation where J.D. McKissick is there, and they clearly brought him back to be, once again, pass-catching back. Pass back. On third downs, you already know who's coming into the game. He's going to soak up that receiving work, and Antonio Gibson is going to suffer as a result of that. He's not going to get that third down exposure like you want to see from him from a feature back. On top of that, now we have a new problem, because Washington went out and drafted Alabama's running back, Brian Robinson, and he is reported to be their goal line back. So not only... If you're an Antonio Gibson owner, are you losing the pass catching work? You're also losing that valuable goal line work. So we might be talking about a guy who's getting like first and second down work, but he's losing the most valuable touches by the goal line and he's losing the pass catching opportunities. And meanwhile, we're drafting this guy. I've got him being drafted in the 50s or 60. Yeah, I've got uh, him some, 60. somewhere in that range. Yep. And I mean, I really think we need to slide him back a full, you know, round or two uh, at least from from that draft position i would go with two uh, maybe yeah. three yeah i mean couple that with with a, another concerning thing he has the most fumbles in the nfl over the last two years Those are if there is one points. way to fall no they're not they're not good for points and and even more than that they're not good for your head coach giving you the ball <laughs> you know you, you fumble the rock you are going to find yourself in the doghouse and he's yeah, been fumbling the ball really. You know, let's get you in the doghouse coming into uh, camp overweight. So Huffing, make it three Huffing, and a half yeah. rounds for me, sliding them on down. Just not make it six. Why not? <laughs> I did read an article for what it's worth. I'm not all hate on Antonio Gibson. Like it may come off to be. I'm um, just, you know, take my, I take my work seriously. Antonio Gibson is one of those where I'm just not too high on. 
I did still see that uh, through practice, there were some notes uh, from some commander practice that still it's clear that Antonio Gibson is still the best athlete at the running back spot over there. He just has a way to make it happen. He's a gamer from what I read. We'll see how that translates, but that's the uh, hype, or not hype, but the the notes that I've read as of recent coming out of commander camp. While I do agree with all the takes though, however, I'm just kind of throwing that out there for anybody who uh, wants to look into it. All right. May I take this next one? Our third and final most overvalued player, running back wise. Not most. I, I threw that in because Dog, you're, this guy. You're after this guy. <laughs> put it on record. I mean, look, you look how much he ate in his first couple years. I think he's all full now. I don't think there's any more any more food to eat. Uh, look, he lost a step a couple of years ago. I saw him losing a step two years ago. Uh, and then last year, I didn't really see much from him that really, you know, I was just reminded that he definitely had been losing a step. And now we're into the we're in the twilight zone with this guy. And somehow he finds a way to continue to work his way up on a lot of boards. So I personally have Ezekiel Elliott at. I just had it. Let me see. It was it was 23, I think. Yeah. 23. I have Ezekiel Elliott at 23. So let's put in perspective at 23 some other RBs that we have um, after. Cam Akers. Did you take Cam Akers over Ezekiel Elliott? I'm buying. Yes. I would as well. Uh, what about J.K. Dobbins? I did hear he just got injured, though. Would not. Yeah, would not. I'd, I'd, I'd soft sell on that. And I believe, don't quote me on this, but you can if you want. And this is just my knowledge. Quoting. Uh, prior to this podcast, I believe J.K. Dobbins was put on the pup list and he's going to be out for a minimum of four weeks. So uh, feel free to Big fact if check true. me on that. Elijah Mitchell, Zeke Elliott. Who do you got, Nick? I'm, I think I'm taking Mitchell. I'll take Mitchell. All right. I mean, I'm gonna keep challenging y'all with some with some other names. Let's let's go. Um, I'm gonna find one that I like in particular. Let's go AJ Dillon or Ezekiel Elliott. Ooh. Elliott, because he's a star. If if I may, kind of interject here, because like these are all fair questions, but when we talk about running backs in this range, this really is. A prime example, most of these names, of the running back dead zone that we referenced in the first episode and earlier in this episode. We do not want to be drafting Ezekiel Elliott or A.J. Dillon or Elijah Mitchell or, or really, frankly, any of the names that we just said ahead of other guys in this same range. Right. Because you can get absolute studs at receiver yeah, that are going to be a lot more reliable in this same draft range. Yeah, it's specifically the reason why I'm bringing up the other names is just to show you the tier that we actually feel that Zeke belongs in. Um, but yes, that's a good point. Um, and by no way, shape, or form are any of these guys being drafted where somehow Zeke was placed. You know, you have Zeke in a pool of Saquon Barkley, Tyreek Hill, you know, CD Lamb, Mike Evans, Mark Andrews, AJ Brown, Debo Samuel, Keenan Allen. I just named a bunch of people I would take uh, prior to that. I know one of those will come up in the future here in the next couple of uh, minutes, probably. 
Um, but yeah, no, it's a good point. We're not saying we're taking those other players any higher or around this spot. We're just saying that Zeke is, in my opinion, incredibly uh, too high on this board. So just a quick 15 seconds on Zeke to kind of wrap it up. Uh, the workhorse days for Zeke are completely over. Last season, in the second half of the season, he surpassed 15 carries one time. Yep. He's not eating anymore. Tony Pollard is a significant part of that offense. If you're drafting Zeke at 23, you're drafting him at the wrong spot because he's not the Zeke that he was two, three years ago. No, it's he's hard to give time Zeke with Tony a, Pollard. It's, it's hard to give him a starting spot when you got his backup averaging right around six yards a carry. He's a better player than Zeke. He's been a better player than Zeke for two years now, at least. And people are still drafting Zeke at 23. All right. All right, going on to the other side, uh, the undervalued portion of the running back room. It looks like on the number on the the first running back on Coach O's list, we have Joe Mixon. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and look up. Yeah, I got his. I have. Got his ADP all the way up at ten. Yeah, yeah. Joe Mixon is. I have him at nineteen. Yeah, he could he could range anywhere from you know ten to to nineteen right now, depending on what platform you're drafting on. Uh, that is way too low yeah. in either case. Uh, we're talking about a guy that, frankly, I could push. You could talk me into as high as like two or three on my board, and we'll talk about why in a second here. But just just think about the upside that Joe Mixon has. So last year, uh, I'm just pulling up his numbers. I think we were looking at something like 15 or 1600 total yards. That was behind a very suspect offensive line. It, it was a bad offensive line for sure. They, they allowed like what, 70 sacks or something ridiculous. I mean, yeah. it was just not a good line uh, in any regard. He, he had over 1500 yards and 16 touchdowns last year behind that offensive line. Now they did we have a much improved. improved. Absolutely. It's an improved offensive line. The offense is loaded with weapons just like it was last year. This is a guy who was third in total touches last year in the NFL. He was third in carries inside the 10-yard line, which means he's getting all those high-value touches where he's going to score those touchdowns. That's why you see him up at 16 touchdowns last year. He's third in route participation in the whole NFL. So you're talking about a guy who not only is getting the goal line work, he's also extremely involved in the pass game, which is great, especially in PPR and half PPR, because he's getting a lot of catches. He's on the field for every down. He's a workhorse. So we're talking about a guy who is top three in like every relevant category for a running back, and he's being drafted between 10 and 19. Screaming value in your first round or second round to grab a potential top three running back. Yeah, I have Joe Mixon um, in new, like for the for the past several years, I feel like Joe Mixon always gets his treatment. For some reason, he kind of gets pushed down the board a little bit. Um, great running back. Not really sure why that happens, but I'm in agreement. Uh, it's um, definitely undervalued. Uh, I'd move around the same spot as well. Um, what do you take? Joe Mixon or Travis Kelsey? Joe Mixon. Are you taking Mixon or Dalvin Cook? Mixon. 
I would as well on both of those. All right. Let's go on uh, to the next running back. We're moving on to Saquon Barkley. I'm very high on Saquon, me personally, this year. So um, uh, let me look and you see. You think he's going to have, have a bounce back year? I do. I, I think he's going to have. Brian Dable? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he did better at the end after injury, even when he came back last year, in my opinion. He came back a little bit better than I thought he would. And then now having all the time to get healthy, I think that we're going to get old Saquon back. Obviously, their O-line still stinks and their QB still stinks. But if their QB stinks, it means that he's going to get the ball more, in my opinion. So I think he's going to he's going to get back to his his old ways. Um, it looks like my tool here has Saquon at 21. Yeah, I've got him at 20. That, that makes me want to throw up in my mouth. I mean, that, that's horrible. So yeah, definitely a good pick for Coach O here. Uh, if you want to go ahead and elaborate, yeah, we're we're talking about a guy that scares a lot of people off. You have to get a T-shirt made from the podcast, by the way. We're talking about a guy. We're talking about a guy. Hey, Coach O with like the little mouth like emblem kind of opening up, and we're talking about a guy. A little merch idea there, crispy. Yeah, I like it. But uh, yeah, we're we're talking about a guy <laughs> who is, you know. 25 years old so he's you know coming off a couple of injuries that are scaring people off and it's depressing his value this is a guy who has shown us 2,000 yard capability with 15 touchdowns just a couple years ago and he is got a couple things working in his favor that he didn't have last year one is an improved offensive line just like we talked about with Mixon the Giants have done a lot to address what was a brutal offensive line last year, including taking Evan, Evan Neal uh, with, I think, like the seventh pick in the draft. Um, they are vastly improved on the O-line. Last year, Saquon was kind of running into a wall a lot of the time. Um, I don't think that's going to happen as much. It's still going to be probably a bad offense, but he's going to get a ton of touches. It's his contract year. The Giants, with a brand new coaching staff, have no reason not to ride him and give him a ton of touches and see if they can win some games if it works out great he's going to be playing hard for an extension and trying to get a big money second contract he's got every motivation to perform well stay healthy have a great year and the giants coaching staff has every motivation to give him a ton of touches and try to win some games he's in a great spot to produce i think as maybe the 10th best player in fantasy this year and he's going at pick 21. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, I see. I have Nick Chubb at eight. I take Saquon over Chubb, personally. What do you have for those two? Saquon. Crispy. So, one of the things that scares me off about Saquon is he played a full season his rookie year and hasn't played a full season since. He played 13 games the following year, his sophomore season. He was in hurt for most of the year the next season, and he played 13 last year. So his injury history kind of makes me a little weary on him. But another guy that really worries me with injuries is a guy like Christian McCaffrey. You know, I could say they're, they're both great rushing threats, and they're both great threats out of the backfield receiving. So, I mean, how do you compare Saquon and Christian? 
why would you take one over the other? I see Christian McCaffrey's ranked number two in ADP on the site that I'm using. But just to answer that question, Saquon or who? Nick Chubb. Nick Ch Ah, man. I think I'm taking Nick Chubb on that one. So, to, to address the injuries a little bit, 13 games out of a running back is not bad. Uh, that position, if, if you're missing three games uh, or four games, we will take that. Uh, particularly because with Saquon, I mean, you look at his second year, he actually had over, I think, close to 1,500 yards, even you know, with missing three or four games. If, yeah. if, you, if you tell me that Saquon is going to play 13 games this year, sign me up. I think he's going to have a huge year for 13 games. Yeah, 13 games last year. And he had just under 600 yards rushing and just under 300 yards receiving. So not a great year. It wasn't. But. And I think that's where you look at, like we were saying with Mixon, a vastly improved offensive line, a new coaching staff without Joe Judge's offensive ineptitude, yes. where hopefully we're getting back to Saquon of old. And if you get Saquon of old at pick 21, if you recall, he used to be getting drafted first or second in fantasy drafts as recently as just like a, a couple of years ago or a year or two ago. Uh, yeah. yeah, we like that value. Yeah, um, I'm with you. I, I mean, last game of last year's um, season as well, he had uh, almost one carry away from the highest amount of touches he had since week three of last year. He had 21 touches and had his um, only over 100-yard game in week 17 of last year. So that's always a strong sign. He finished strong. He also averaged almost five yards a carry. He averaged five yards a carry even last year almost three times. And outside of that, another four over four yards a carry. Saquon is just a great running back. I mean, I, I think he's going to have a great year. I'm Like I said, I'm really high on him. Um, I'm super excited to watch him play too, just because he's super fun to watch. Okay, so then I I didn't hear an answer, but I'm gonna I'm gonna dig for that. So say quads or run CMC. Oh, McCaffrey. We're, we're still taking. I mean, McCaffrey literally has had a season with like almost 2,500 yards and 20 touchdowns. Yes. <laughs> like McCaffrey, when healthy, is unbelievable, especially yeah, in PPR or half though, PPR. When healthy, it's an asterisk. A but big asterisk. It, it sure is. But the reason he's going second overall, uh, to your to your point on his ADP, is that you are betting on him being an absolute league winner. He hasn't had like a debilitating injury like an Achilles or something where you're worried about his explosiveness. Right. I mean, he, he still looked great last year when he played. So I, I think you're drafting McCaffrey as like a 26-year-old superhero back, and you're rolling the dice on him being the best player in the league uh, when he's healthy. So then he's would just you got say so much upside. At number two, would you say CMC is overvalued or undervalued? I would say he's appropriately valued. I would agree with that. Look, you have 30 touches, 29 touches, 23, 17, 18. And then on top of that, you have like the, the targets he gets as a running back is insane. 10, 9, 6, 8, 5. Like yeah. those are big time numbers for a running back. And that's not just one or two. I mean, you're talking 
you know, majority of his games that he played, when he does play, he just has such a high target share and he just touches the ball so often. His hand's literally all over the game every time he's in a game and active yeah. in the game. So with that, yeah, Christian McCaffrey continues to be such a high uh, uh, draft pick just because he's electric. It's what he's always been since yeah. he's been in the NFL and he always does it. Yeah. Uh, well, just got to stay healthy. I, I can't say that I've been... I've been egged on to uh, to hop on the Saquon train, but I am a little more likely, I think, to uh, to take a shot on him if he's still hanging around there in the mid twenty range. But uh, all right, so, yeah, I don't yeah. I don't think there's much more to add there. Do you you guys have anything to add? Uh, I got one thing: bigger thighs, AJ Dillon or Saquon Barkley. Dillon, I'm taking uh, Dillon. Yeah, I'll I'll, ta- I'll take Dillon. On the I'll quads. take Dillon. All right. Well, I cheated a little bit because I literally just saw some video. I'm not really sure why or how. Maybe it was a TikTok <laughs> or something. But AJ Dillon literally said, "I have the biggest thighs in football." That's not a tackle. Wouldn't surprise me. So there you go. Yeah. So right, that Chris, means give us the last winner. Yeah, we're gonna move on to our third undervalued back here, in a guy named Damian Harris. Yeah, Damian Harris. A lot of people are scared off of because he is in a timeshare with Ramondre Stevenson. And the great thing about Damian Harris is that that's baked into his average draft position. He's being taken on average right now, I believe in the 70s. Uh, if, if y'all have about the Damian same Harris, thing I have him at 71. Yep, yep. And so we got to keep in mind here, when we talk about the running back dead zone, we talk about that round like three to round like six or seven kind of range where you don't really want to draft running backs like we were talking about earlier in this discussion because they're just not reliable backs. There's such good receivers, tight ends in that round three, round four, round five range, round six even and seven that we want to wait on running backs and not draft those guys in that range. After we get past those initial 15 running backs, we're waiting. And we still need running backs later in the draft. They're not going to be perfect because there's a reason that they're being drafted in the 60s or 70s or 80s, right? But Damian Harris provides us an awful lot of reasons to feel good. I'll give you a couple of them. Here's a guy last year who ranked... Second in the NFL in goal line carries, only behind Jonathan Taylor. He is the clear goal line back in New England. That amounted to 15 touchdowns last year. There's no reason to think that he's not going to be the goal line back again and be a high touchdown guy. That's tough to find in that range down in the, in the 70s in your draft. On top of that, pro football focus grades every player in the NFL. Take a guess at how many running backs have been graded above Damian Harris for the last two years. Oh, you want a number? Take a guess. Two. Zero. I knew it was going to be something ridiculous. Yeah. Damian Harris has a grade of 91, according to Pro Football Focus, the last two years. He's a phenomenal player. And the Patriots know this. That's why they give him the ball. That's why he has been producing at a very high level. He's in a contract year where the Patriots have every incentive, just like we were talking about with Saquon, to win games 
They're gonna ride their best back and give him opportunities to succeed, and Damian Harris is gonna be extremely motivated to earn a second contract. He is gonna split some carries with Ramondre Stevenson, and that's okay, because he did last year, and he still finished as an RB2. And he's likely to repeat that same sort of production where he was splitting time with Stevenson from last year. And if he does, you're getting one of the top 20 running backs in the whole league at pick 70-something. Phenomenal value. Yeah, I know. I agree. He has, he has good value. Um, the only thing with Damien Harris that I see is he just doesn't get a ton of uh, targets from the backfield as far as receiving goes. However, he does get an incredible, incredible amount of touches and an incredible amount of carries. And yeah, you're right. He has quite a bit of production. He had five touchdowns in the last two games of last year. I don't know what, what bum teams they were playing. No biasness here. I yeah. love the Patriots. We talk about not. Yeah, dude got over 1,000 total yards last year with 15 touchdowns, and you're getting him with the, the same projected workload or, or perhaps even a little bit more. Yeah. And and you're getting him in the 70s. That's that's an absolutely phenomenal value at running back. Yeah, some running backs just produce. It's one of those. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes part one of episode two. If you're enjoying the information that we're laying out for you, be sure, look for episode two, part two, and go check that out so you can continue on in this conversation starting with the wide receivers.